At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a culture filled with promises for a better life, deeper satisfaction, and greater purpose, but how do we know which is right? We invite you to join us for Smoke and Mirrors, deciphering truth in a world of truths, where we'll look to Scripture to expose the illusions of our culture, and together, hold fast to a better answer, God's. Hey, good morning. It's a joy to be with you, Tyler. Thanks for the uh, introduction. And I, I uh, am part of the teaching team at Woodside. I love going to the different campuses to speak and always enjoy being here at Warren to see many familiar friends and then meet new folks as well. So I hope to have the chance to meet you in the lobby uh, after the service. I do have the privilege to do the chapels with the Detroit Tigers and uh, appreciate your prayers for that ministry. God's uh, continuing to do just some wonderful things. Still some restrictions uh, coming off of COVID, but now we're um, <clears throat> doing our chapels actually in the dugouts. So we're a little bit outside. Uh, so uh, on a Sunday when the Tigers are at home, I'm down at the ballpark with a fellow uh, chaplain, uh, Fernando Pinedo, who does uh, them in Spanish. And we'll go down and do uh, a couple chapels in the Tigers dugout uh, for that team. And then we'll go over to the visitor side and do one there as well. And so things are still coming back, but uh, certainly appreciate your ministry. My wife, Carla, has a wonderful ministry with wives and girlfriends uh, of players and coaches. And um, uh, as you think of it, keep us in your prayers. We uh, begin a new series today, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> at all the Woodside campuses. And uh, it's gonna focus in the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you have a Bible with you today, I encourage you to turn there. And uh, just by way of where it fits in the Bible, uh, it's an Old Testament book, and there are five what we call poetical books uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, Job is one of those poetical books, Psalms, uh, then Proverbs, and then we have Ecclesiastes, and then the final one is the Song of Solomon. Of those five poetical books, uh, Solomon wrote three of them, and uh, he wrote uh, the Song of Solomon. Uh, many think he wrote that as probably a younger man about his one true love. And if you uh, remember some things from the life of Solomon uh, against God's guidance, uh, he had uh, uh, 300 wives and a harem, which was a, a, a custom in those days for rulers. And God didn't uh, initiate that or approve it. But um, when he found his one true love, uh, he writes about it in the, the book that we call Song of Solomon. Uh, and then the book of Proverbs Solomon wrote, and many think he wrote that more in the middle age, uh, ages of life. Perhaps almost like sending his kids out into the world as they were grown up and giving them life advice. And if you read that uh, book, You'll see many times a little phrase like, my son, uh, my sons and daughters, my children. He's writing to his next generation. And then the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, he wrote toward the end of his life, really kind of reflecting back on life and saying, you know, I'm gonna give a little self-evaluation here of uh, my life in relationship to my God. And it's a wonderful thing for us, regardless of, of anyone's age to give some consideration of, 
hey, where am I at with my God in life right now? And so that's what Solomon is doing here in this book. Uh, this series will be six weeks long. Uh, it's entitled Smoke and Mirrors. And you'll uh, understand why in a few moments. Uh, and kind of the subtitle is Discerning Truth with the capital T. Discerning Truth in a World of Truths, small t. You know, there's so much out there today that we're told, hey, this is the way things are. Uh, this is what truth is. We even have the little phrase, well, what's your truth, right? And uh, we want to talk about the truth. And that's really what Solomon kind of reflects on uh, here in this book. Uh, when you read Solomon, it, it, it can almost sound a little, when you read Ecclesiastes, it can almost sound a little down a little bit at times. Because it seems like Solomon is on just a treadmill, the treadmill of life. Like it's another day, same old, same old. Where's meaning, where's purpose? And maybe you battle that some. I think we all do at times, don't we? Where's meaning and purpose? Where's my fulfillment uh, in life? Uh, perhaps we saw that magnified in the last uh, year and a half or so when, um, when COVID was uh, really recognized March 10th, 2020, uh, until June 22nd of 2021, when things were somewhat lifted, we almost lived on what has been termed a corona time. Like every day almost seems the same. You remember that? Is it Sunday? Is it Tuesday? What day is it? Uh, and, and we can fall into that rut or that treadmill of life. Some of you will remember a movie a while back called Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. How many remember that movie? And uh, there's a line in that movie where he asked the question, uh, talking about you know, repeating things over, and he's uh, in a situation in a bar with some guys that had a few uh, drinks, and he said, uh, what uh, would you do if you were stuck in one place and every day was the same and nothing you did really mattered? You ever feel that way? Hey, does what I'm doing in life matter at all? Um, one of the men stared into his beer mug and said, yep, that about sums it up for me. And uh, it's easy for us to sometimes feel like we're just kind of the same thing. Ball players really battle that. You know, they travel on the road so much. I, I don't travel with them all the time, nothing like that. But I've even experienced this a time or two when I've uh, gone out um, where you wake up and it's like, okay, what, what city am I in today? Uh, what day of the week is it? Because their schedules are always the same. Years ago, I won't mention the ball player's name, uh, but years ago, there was a ball player who, um, <clears throat> uh, after a game, a uh, day game, went out and got, had a few too many drinks. Came back to his hotel room uh, at night and went up to his room and back when they had the old keys, uh, real keys with the room number on it, and he went and tried to open his door, it wouldn't open, wouldn't open, and finally he just slumped down there in the hallway and fell asleep. Next morning the manager of the hotel came through that hallway and uh, found him and kind of woke him up, said, hey, what are you doing? He said, yeah, you know, I don't know what's going on, my key won't work, maybe I've got the wrong room. And he said, well, let me see the key. And so the manager looked at the key, he said, no, you got the right room, 
but you're in the wrong hotel. You're staying across the street. <laughs> and all of us at times can get like, you know, what am I doing in life? Where am I at? What's going on? And so Solomon uh, really is gonna write to address that uh, here today. Today we'll look at the first 11 verses and kind of give an introduction to the book uh, and, and uh, an overall kind of a flyover little picture of it. I, I hope you like to mark in your Bible. I like to highlight, I like to underline, I like to write notes in a margin. I still use and like to have a hard copy of the Bible, but also a digital copy. And what's so cool now today, uh, today uh, most Bible programs and even apps allow you to some, in some form or fashion, mark and highlight things even there. So I really encourage you to mark things in your Bibles. Um, things that repeat, phrases, words, uh, things that differentiate. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, there are four phrases or words that we'll look at today that are found throughout the book that really help us to understand what Solomon is writing about. And so uh, we'll go through those four as, our, as we go through our message here today. Here's the first word. And um, we didn't read it yet, but let's start at verse number one. It says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Solomon does not identify himself by name, but all... Um, indications are it's him. Uh, and so we make the conclusion that Solomon is the author of this book. He was the son of King David. Solomon was the third king in Israel. You had Saul, then David, and then David's son, Solomon. Solomon would reign for about 40 years. Um, if you like uh, dates, uh, he reigned from uh, 970 B.C., till 930 BC, so about a 1,000 years before Christ. Following his reign, one of his sons would take over, and in his son's reign, at the very beginning of it, upon Solomon's death, Israel would have a civil war, and the country would be divided into a north and a south. The north uh, retaining the name Israel, and the south taking on the name Judah. And that's what you read about in much of First Kings and Second Kings in your Bibles. And so Solomon uh, lived at a time and was the king when Israel reached its zenith. It had a large uh, area of land that it ruled. It was very wealthy. He was very intelligent. Uh, he, he had resources to do whatever he wanted to do, basically. And so... That's the guy who's writing about this book who had seen all these great achievements but was wondering, you know, what's the purpose of life? What's the real meaning uh, of it? And so the first of the four words that is really key uh, is found in verse number two. In fact, the word is found five times in verse number two. That's a lot, okay? And so here's what verse two says. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Uh, that uh, word is used in 29 verses in these 12 chapters. About half of all the times it's used in the Old Testament, it's used right here. 
And uh, so he's writing about vanity. Here's some, here's some uh, definitions of that word. Uh, the word vanity means a mist. Uh, it means a, a vapor, a, a puff of wind, a mere breath, or smoke. And so he's saying, you know, life sometimes is just like smoke. You see it, and then it just disperses. And, uh, and he said, you know, I look at life, and so much of life seems meaningless. That's what he's saying here at the beginning. And he's going to talk about that throughout the book, about how so many things we pursue in life are really meaningless. And don't get disheartened, because in the book, uh, he also will tell us where meaning comes from and where fulfillment happens. Uh, by the way, I didn't mention this. In our series, we're going to look at the first two chapters over the next several weeks, and then toward the end of the series, jump to the last chapter. So we won't cover all the chapters in between. I really encourage you to try to read the book yourself two or three times, uh, at least over the next month uh, or six weeks as we go through the series. And so Solomon is saying in this phrase, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, he's saying, you know, so often life uh, lacks contentment or fulfillment or satisfaction or purpose. And again, it sounds like a downer, but he's gonna give us the answers to it as God gave them to him. One other way this word vanity is translated, uh, really an interesting one, I think, in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse number 21, uh, it's translated as idols. And so really what Solomon is saying is, so much of life can be pursued or can be uh, characterized by things we pursue that really become idols in our life. And that, folks, is a, a challenge uh, for those of us that know Christ, that we don't pursue worthless idols. That's what he's talking about uh, here in this book. So, uh, that's kind of the introduction, verses one and two. We're gonna read now uh, verses uh, three down through 11. And he's gonna kind of elaborate on that idea of, you know, what is, why does life seem to be meaningless? Why, do, why does nature and why do things just tend to repeat themselves with, with apparently, uh, or, or can, can seem to be with no meaning? So here's what it says in verse three. Uh, what does man gain by all, all the toil of which he toils under the sun? Verse four, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes round to the north and around and round goes the wind and on its circuit the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow. Uh, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, so the earth filled with hearing. 
What has been is what will be. Uh, what has been uh, done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Uh, and uh, is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. Uh, it has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things yet to be among those who come after. And uh, like I said, he starts out by saying, you know, if we're not careful, life can be a treadmill, it can be drudgery, it can be like, what's my purpose in life? And uh, he is gonna identify the meaning and purpose of life in this book, but he starts out where many of us have been in the past, or perhaps even are now, of where's my meaning in life? Where's my fulfillment? Where's my purpose? And so that idea of vanity, life is a mist, it's, uh, it's, it goes away before you know it, and if I'm not careful, uh, I won't make any difference in this world. Here's the second word that uh, is a key word that's repeated throughout this book, and we find it here in verse number two. Uh, excuse me, verse number uh, three. What does a man gain? The word gain. The word gain there is found seven, other, seven times total in the book of Ecclesiastes. The word means profit, advantage, or my favorite definition of it is this. What is left over? How about that? Basically, Solomon's saying, what's gonna be left over at the end of your life? What are you gonna leave behind? Um, uh, what are you gonna take with you to heaven? And, um, and so that is what he's saying. What's the gain in life? What do you want your bottom line to be? And we're all familiar with bottom lines and the values of accounts. Well, he's saying, take a look at your life. What do you want the bottom line one day to be? What do you want left over? What do you want left over for your kids one day? Uh, when you and I are gone and the reading of the will takes place, uh, what do you want left? Uh, I don't tell my kids this, uh, but I've kind of determined this. Uh, a number of years ago, and this goes back to marking in your Bible, uh, a, number of, a couple of years ago, I had like three or four Bibles on a shelf, and they all had marks up in them from over the years where I had used different Bibles at different times. So I took those three Bibles, and I bought a new one, which is this one, and uh, when I went down to uh, spring training with the Tigers, I had a lot of evenings free, so I would, in my hotel room, take all the notes from those three Bibles and then incorporate them into one. And so that's what this Bible is here. And so the first thing in my will, when it's read, you know what it's gonna be? I'm giving my kids my Bible. And that may be it, by the way. Don't tell them that, I'm kidding. But what I want them to do is to have something tangible to reflect uh, at least some of my spiritual life that they can maybe each pass around for a year at a time or whatever. But what are you thinking of leaving? What's gonna be left over from our lives uh, after we leave? That's really what Solomon is wrestling with. And remember, he had tons to leave. The guy was the king. He was wealthy, he was intelligent, uh, he had land, he had it all. But he said, is that really all I wanna leave? Uh, and those are the things that maybe sometimes we pursue as idols or 
things that Solomon's talking about, vanity, empty, like a mist. They're here and then they're gone. And he's saying, what tangible things for eternity, uh, what eternal values are we gonna leave behind? When you read that uh, word, the idea of profit, advantage, what is left over, it really reminds us of a New Testament uh, story that Jesus told. Jesus in Luke chapter 12 uh, is telling the story of a rich man who would uh, raise his crops and had so much, uh, he put into his barns and barns weren't big enough, so he had to build new ones. And he just kept having to build bigger barns because he was gathering so much in. He was very wealthy. And Jesus then makes uh, these statements. Uh, First, he's talking as the man would speak. The man will say to his soul, my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. The things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That's really what Solomon was dealing with. I'm pretty rich in this world. I'm pretty well off. But am I rich toward God? What is the gain that I've accomplished with God? You know, when we talk about dying and uh, what we can take to heaven, what can you take to heaven? There's really only one thing, and that's the souls of other people with you. That's it. My family, do they know Christ? My friends, my co-workers, I can take them to heaven with me through what Christ has done for them, but I'm not taking anything else. And so when we talk about being rich toward God, it really comes down to dealing with the souls of people who will live somewhere for eternity. And so Solomon, that second key word, is uh, the gain, profit. What is life about? Wildlife can at times seem meaningless. Uh, There is something of profit or gain that can be eternal. So those are the first two key words. The idea of vanity, life seems empty, just a mist. Uh, What is there to gain in life? And what is there to gain? And what can be left over uh, for the next life? And it's nothing tangible. It's the people that I impact for Christ. And um, Solomon, as we go through the book now, there's two more words we'll look at this morning, or phrases. Uh, Solomon uh, really will focus back into the book of don't leave God out of the equation. So many times in life, God is left out of the picture. And we just kind of go through life and forget that he is the creator and that he has a plan for the world and a plan for your life. And Solomon will deal with that. Here's the third key phrase found in the book. This phrase uh, is found 29 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. And it's the phrase that you see uh, in verse number three as well. If you look back at verse number three, uh, it says at the end of it, uh, which he toils under the sun, And that's a key phrase in the book. The phrase under the sun, he'll use it 29 times. Uh, The best definition I think of that phrase 
is it means what is down here on earth. That's what he's talking about. When he talks about things being futile, he's talking about only if you look at life from an earthly perspective. That's what under the sun means. I'm just focused on what's down here. I'm not thinking about heaven. I'm not thinking about eternity. I'm just focused on life in the here and now. And that is reflected so much in our world today. Uh, sadly, it comes into the church too, doesn't it? Um, when you think about things like uh, secularism, uh, hedonism, materialism, individualism, it's as if we can focus on life just on earth and forget about the eternal perspective of life here on earth. So 29 times, he'll talk about this idea of living life just under the sun, God kind of left out of the equation, and that is why life, for many people, seems empty and meaningless, vanity, because all they're doing is living for the here and now. It's really interesting, and, um, and uh, if you go through, I encourage you to do it, go through the book of Ecclesiastes and highlight all the times you see that phrase, under the sun. When you do that, though, you need to note th uh, another phrase that occurs three times. And if you have a Bible with you, I'll read it, and it won't be on the screen, but uh, look at the chapter one and verse 13. Chapter one and verse 13 says this. I applied my heart to seek out and to search out by wisdom all that is done, now listen to this, under heaven. Doesn't say under the sun. It says under heaven. And the idea there is I'm gonna live my life in a way that I'm not just living for the here and now down here on earth, but I'm living my life here on earth with an understanding that there's a heavenly, godly perspective that ought to influence how I live my life. And so he says, I'm accountable to God one day. And the way I live my life here on earth is not gonna be in the bubble of just earth, but it's gonna be with an idea of here's what God wants under heaven. Chapter two and verse three. We read it again, uh, that phrase. Uh, it says here, I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. How about that? That's, that's what Solomon does in this book. He goes, I've gotta get away from just living life with an earthly perspective to it. I really need to live a life understanding God's plan and God's purposes for me. And so that phrase under heaven really becomes the key. There's one other place where that phrase occurs, and uh, it's in chapter three and verse number one. And um, here's what it says in verse one. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. How many recognize those words? They come from a song, or they don't come from a song, they were taken to be used in a song. How many know the song? Okay, I'm gonna play it for you here. I'll put it up here. 
Y'all hear that? How many remember that song? You know what that means? You're old, is what that means. But um, that's a song by the birds called Turn, Turn, Turn. And it comes right out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And I don't know all their reasoning. I tried to read up a little bit to kind of learn some why they used it and how they came about it. But in the book of Ecclesiastes, you know what, God, what uh, Solomon's saying? He's saying, you know what? When you live your life not under the sun, but you live your life under heaven, and you live your life understanding that God has a plan and purpose for everything that happens in life. And if you read uh, the first part of chapter three down through verse eight, you'll see there that uh, when you have a godly perspective of life under heaven, uh, the things you go through in life have meaning and purpose, the good stuff and the bad stuff. Uh, If you have a Bible with you uh, in chapter three, let me read, after he goes through that, uh, that whole song that we know today, Uh, He finishes a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. Now look what it says next. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. You know, God wants us to be in his business, to do what he's called us to do. And then it says this in verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. And he has put eternity into man's heart. How about that? It says there that every man uh, has an understanding or, or it comes into life with an understanding. There's something beyond this life. And many people lose that sense of a God in eternity and just be consumed with the temporal and what is under the sun. And Solomon is saying in this book, get an eternal perspective. Don't live life just for your time here on earth. That's what he's saying uh, here in this book. And so that's the third key phrase, under the sun. But when you look at that phrase, don't forget uh, the sub-phrase there, under heaven. And it really offers a choice. You have two ways to live your life, as do I. Uh, Under the sun for what's temporal or under heaven for what's eternal. And so that's the third key phrase. Here's the final key phrase. Uh, And it's found nine times uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes. The first, we haven't read it yet, the first time it's used is in verse number 14. And here's what verse 14 says. I've seen everything that is done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. That little phrase, striving after the wind. It's like something I can't grasp. What's the uh, phrase, uh, trying to herd cats, right? Can't do it. You know, they're just all over the place. And uh, sometimes... Uh, if we're not careful, we just strive after the wind and go through life trying to grasp the things that we cannot get. Um, how do you not live a life striving after the wind? You have something solid, something permanent to hold on to. 
And uh, Solomon's going to teach us the word of God. I'm not going to just strive after the philosophy that's out there today. That's the wind. And it changes, doesn't it? I'm going to go after something that is permanent. Remember we said at the beginning, deciphering truth, capital T, in a world of small truths, uh, in a world of truths, small t. And striving after the wind is when I go after all the philosophies and all the teaching that's out there in the world under the sun. But living a life that's solid is when I grasp a hold of the truth, God's truth that is eternal. Uh, how many, here's another uh, old song for you, old artist. How many remember the artist Bob Dylan? Okay. Uh, maybe the, in fact, I think it is the song he's most well known for is what? Blowing in the Wind. Uh, in 2004, Rolling Stone magazine ranked it the 14th best rock song. Came out in the early 60s. And I kind of chuckle when I think about it. Because Bob Dylan was kind of touted as, you know, a, a great philosopher for his generation. And the key line in that song is what? The answer, my friend, is what? Pulling in the wind. <laughs> that really is solid, right? And you know what God's word says? Uh, I got truth that doesn't just vanish away. I got truth that will last forever. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse uh, eight says this. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. And uh, what a great assurance for us that we do not have to live lives striving after the wind, small t truth, but we've been given by God, capital T truth uh, in his word. Uh, as, and, and those four phrases now, uh, I encourage you to read the book, look for them, mark them, highlight them. As you listen to the messages in this series, look for how they come up because they really provide the themes throughout this book. Vanity of vanities, the word vanity. Um, striving after the wind, we said. Um, I want to make sure I get, uh, I skipped the gain, the profit. What is the gain? And then living life under the sun. Look for those four. There's a New Testament verse that I'll wrap up with here that kind of reminds me of the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's James 4.14. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. What are you and I gonna do with our lives here that don't just count for what's under the sun, but count for eternity? Uh, there's a website, uh, I'll look at it occasionally, usually when I'm uh, doing a message like this, and it sounds a little morbid, it's really not. It's a website called deathclock.com. You go to this website and you punch in your date of birth, your gender, uh, two or three other questions they ask you, and then you hit uh, the button, and up will pop, based on actuary life insurance tables, uh, how long they expect you to continue to live. They give you your projected by them. They don't control it. But they give you a projected day of your death. But my favorite part is this. They put up there a digital clock with the number of seconds left 
in your life. I went on it last night, putting all my stuff, hit the button, boom. You know how many seconds I had left last night? 325,486,776. And I've wasted a number of seconds from last night to today. It's a great, it's a great screensaver. Someone calls you up, you don't want to talk to you, you know what you say? Hey, I can't talk to you now, man. I'm dying here. I got to go. <laughs> but it reminds us what Solomon is writing about. The clock is running. And what are we doing with our lives that count for eternity? Under heaven, not living life just under the sun. Father, thank you for uh, this book and for a man who you used to kind of open up his life and heart and be transparent, uh, to relate things that we all think about, we all talk about, we all struggle with, of where is the, the meaning and purpose in my life? And what a great hope it is that we are not stuck or don't have to be stuck just living life under the sun. But Father, we can live life with a heavenly perspective. Uh, and as it says in uh, Luke, we can be rich in your eyes as we do that. So I pray that uh, we would, and I challenge folks, I challenge myself, uh, dig into this book and see that life has meaning, it has purpose, it has value. What we do and say matters not just for life here on earth, but for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.